Welcome, everyone. Today's episode is a synopsis of our series, Becoming a Confident Mom. These last few months, we've been asking and answering deep life questions by going to God's Word as our source of truth. Our postmodern world denies that truth can even be known. You Do You encapsulates a belief system that says that basically anything goes. It's up to us to define our identity, we think. We can decide how we are to treat other people, and we can create our own happiness. But how is this actually working? We know that mental health has been on a significant decline over the past few decades. Anxiety, depression, and suicide are now at record highs. Maybe this philosophy isn't working. At MomQ, we believe that the creator of the universe defines our truth, and he reveals who he is and how we can know him in the Bible. He speaks to us through his word, and he guides us by his spirit. His truth brings peace and order to a chaotic world, and when we follow it, we can have rest and security. And we can be confident as individuals and moms. So as we briefly review our semester topics today, see if you can answer the question that is overarching our series, what makes a confident mom? In week one, we asked the question, where does my identity lie? And we talked about how we are tempted to look to the wrong things for our confidence in life, like success, academic degrees, popularity, or beauty, for example. But we said these things are fleeting and ultimately leave us empty. But when we look to God as the anchor of our lives, we'll find safety, security, and rest. His word and his Holy Spirit are our guide. We are part of his family, chosen and loved, if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we no longer have to live as we used to. We can purge the old ways that held us captive and instead walk in the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to possess the character of Christ. And so our big idea for the week, where does my identity lie? My identity lies in who God says I am. In week two, we looked at why relationships matter to God. We talked about how we're created by God for connection. Our speaker shared how the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, show us that God is relational and that the heartbeat of the Trinity is self-giving, others-directed love. As followers of Christ, we are to look to His example and consider others more important than ourselves. And when we do this, we can be confident that God will empower us to glorify Him and the relationships He puts into our lives. And our big idea for that week was relationships matter to God because God is personal and a relational being. In the third week, we asked the question, how do I relate to my husband? Ooh, that was a tough one. For many of us, the most important relationship in our life, other than God, is the most difficult one. And that, of course, is with our husbands in our marriage. We found out that God has a very specific design for how husbands and wives are to relate to each other. We can have confidence that God created us equally, but with different roles in the relationship. Julie, our speaker, used the S word, and I don't mean the curse word, although it can feel like it sometimes. What I mean is the word submit. 
the Bible says clearly that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and then calls us specifically to submit to our husbands. She said that this means allowing our husbands to initiate things, responding and encouraging them in their role. And sometimes this can mean squeezing in between them and the wall because we want to control things and they often don't want to. So it it might mean that we have to find this little squeeze in space behind them, but we have to do that because God asks us to. And this shift, this change of attitude can change our marriages. And the Bible also says that we as wives are called to respect our husbands. This is how they feel loved and it cultivates their God-given gifts and creates trust. So our big idea for that week was I relate to my husband as his partner and complimentary companion. In week four, we looked at how we relate to our children. And our big idea was God has entrusted his children to us for his good purpose. And in his word, God asked parents to be the primary discipler of their children. And Jesus gives us the spiritual authority to do this in Matthew 28, where he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. But to do this, we have to walk closely with him and be the lead learner ahead of our children so that we can teach them to love and follow God. Because children will do what they see. We say at MomQ, more is caught than taught. Loving discipline is also part of discipling our kids. We should shepherd their hearts and point them back to the cross when they misbehave. We are also to relate to them as intercessors, covering them in prayer instead of worrying, and stand in the gap to protect them from the enemy through prayer. In week five, we had licensed therapist Lindsay Warner come in and talk to us about healthy conflict resolutions strategies. And this was free therapy. It was so good. She gave us practical tools uh, on how to resolve conflict. She gave us some no-nos, some things not to do. And she gave us some great things to do, including questions to use to stay on track in the midst of conflict. In week six, we answered the question, why do bad things happen? Suffering is hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to experience. And suffering trips up a lot of people's faith. People ask all the time, how can a good God allow suffering? But the Bible teaches that God created a perfect world, but he gave mankind free will to choose to follow him or not. And so when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and go their own way in the garden, then sin and suffering entered into the world. It wasn't created by God. So our big idea was that bad things happen because we live in a sin-infected world, but we can have courageous hope because Jesus has overcome the world. We learn that we shouldn't blame others for our suffering and instead understand that God allows it so that his glory will be displayed. Through suffering, God reveals our need for a savior and we can have comfort in knowing that we are not alone in it. Jesus suffered and is with us in our suffering. And he also intercedes for us to the Father. And our response to suffering should be worship. 
In week seven, we ask the question, what do I do when I mess up? Notice how we said not if I mess up, but when I mess up, because we're all going to make mistakes regularly, daily, but the key is to own up to them. And our big idea was when we mess up, we should respond with godly sorrow and then confess, repent, and turn in a new, in a new direction. There is no regret for this kind of sorrow. We are to regularly examine our hearts and ask God to help us see our sins. We should consider how our sin offends and dishonors God. And then guard against self-righteousness, which is pride and just judging others, thinking that we're better than them because we didn't do what they did, but really we make the same mistakes. And so we don't want to be self-righteous. We also don't want to get stuck in shame because that denies God's grace and our new identity in Christ. We can move on from shame and regret knowing Romans 8, 1, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we mess up, we should turn to God and not away, confess and believe that we are forgiven and make amends if appropriate. In week eight, we ask the question, what do I do when others hurt me? People hurt and offend us daily because relationships are messy and hard. Some hurts are bigger than others and forgiveness can seem impossible. But Jesus tells us to remember how much he has forgiven us so that we can pass that forgiveness on to others. Forgiveness is an expectation that we can accomplish with the help of the Holy Spirit. As Tim Keller says, it is voluntary suffering for the greater good. But there is a process to forgiveness. First, we have to pray instead of responding in our flesh. We should ask the Holy Spirit instead to respond in love covering the offense and choosing peace. We should reconcile with believers that hurt us if possible and release the person and the hurt to God. Forgiveness is costly to the forgiver. God's forgiveness of us costs Jesus his life. By remembering what Jesus did for us, we can share it with others. In our ninth week, we had Lindsay Werner back to give us tools to move past unforgiveness and shame. She did a fantastic job of addressing how unforgiveness can take a toll on us, both physically and mentally. And then she gave us four tools to move past it. She said that we need to start by grieving well and acknowledging the pain of the hurt. We don't need to deny it. We have to process through it. And then we want to have compassionate curiosity about the person who hurt us. What made them treat us that way? What happened? What's going on in their life? That can really help us a lot towards forgiveness. Taking appropriate responsibility is needed if we need to own something, what our part is in it, and then asking God how we can learn and grow from it. And finally, making meaning of it, turning the loss into a gain fantastic week. The message was called Unstuck. In week 10, we asked the question, how can I be happy? Everyone wants to be happy, but few achieve it. Why? Because happiness is not found in the ways of the world, but only by being delightfully rooted in God's word. 
we looked at Psalm 1 and how the person who engages with and meditates on God's word is like a tree that is planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in season. These deep roots that are created when we meditate and engage with God's word creates lasting happiness because we are focusing on our creator rather than on our circumstances. Happiness is a byproduct of the choices we make. So we should do three things. Listen to the advice of the word and follow it. Look for paths of righteousness and stand in them and pledge allegiance to God and sit in righteousness. So we walk, we stand, we sit with God in his word. That's what the Psalm talks about. And then we also looked at how to have a time of personal meditation on God's word. We walk through a model where we can read a chapter of the book, a book of the Bible, one chapter at a time, meditate on it, do some journaling about what we're hearing from God and then praying. So what is a confident mom? We've gone through our 10 weeks of the semester and we can now answer this question. A confident mom is one who is grounded in God's word and empowered by the Holy Spirit. One who remembers her identity in Christ as a child of God freed from bondage to sin. One who allows this freedom to permeate the relationships in her life. One that looks to Christ as our example of humility, putting others' needs before our own and trusting God in the hard times. A confident mom lives a life of confession and repentance, not allowing unforgiveness to grow a root of bitterness. A confident mom holds everything out to God with open hands, including her children listening to his guidance and surrendering control to the one who created her and adopted her into his family. This is a lifelong process and we're always learning and growing. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Thinking through all the verses that we went over and learned this semester, we picked Galatians 2.20 as our theme. We suggest that you memorize it. It will help you place your confidence in Christ where it belongs. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. May you allow the Holy Spirit to help you put off the old self, the actions and attitudes that don't please God, and put on the new self, the white robe of righteousness the character of God. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please feel free to share it with others who might be interested. You can also give us feedback in the comment section, and we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything you heard today or would like to suggest topics for us to cover in the future, message us on Instagram and Facebook at MomQ512. We'll see you back here in just a couple of weeks.